This episode contains graphic and disturbing content. Listener discretion advised. Hello everyone, my name is Azreen. I'm Katrina. I'm Kendra. And we're here today with um, our podcast, The Murderous Trio. And today we will be continuing the story of Dia, Yusu, and Razan. from last week. So, whoa, that was a lot that we covered last week. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts? I'm angry. I'm very much frustrated. I think the thing for me is frustrated, but at the same time, I'm also like not surprised because there's just so much hate in this world. Yeah, like when you see like stories of trauma, violence, and anger, it's like it leaves me like speechless, but I'm not surprised, like I'm not shocked, right? Um, yeah. I had a thought about the guy, about the, our villains, um, (laughs) Facebook (laughs) post, like how we're like complicated man, I'm just like, and I had a thought over this past week where I was just like, I think this is really like a strong case of like, Fighting against things without a strong sense of what you're fighting for. Oh. Or, like, like here's going to be the... Oh, guys, here's the hottest take we're ever going to do on this podcast about people murdering each other. <laughs> I like the second Star Wars movie in the new trilogy. Okay, hot take. Now, remember the... the um, I keep on wanting to call it Rogue One. What's The Last Jedi? Is that the second one? E, uh, yeah. Last Jedi... Yes, it yes. was The Last Jedi. It was The Last Jedi. Fantastic. Okay, but remember remember how in The Last Jedi, Heather, like, it's not just, like, what you're fighting against, it's what you're fighting for, and it was a very touching scene, God bless Rose and her actor's name, and I never know anybody's actor's name, so don't ask me. <laughs> but, like, also her actor, God bless... Kelly, right? It's Kelly? Daisy? No. Okay, no, 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 okay, okay. Moving on, since we... Rose is an actor. I not, no. I'm... I've, I've Kelly... only... Kelly Marie Trans? I think so. I've only seen The Force Awakens and Rogue One. Oh, that's fair. Okay. You were saying? I think I finished it. I was just, like, saying, like, like, you know how they're talking about how it's, like, it's not just what you're fighting against, it's what you're fighting for, like, otherwise you lose your way because you just kind of get mired in being angry at people without a strong internal sense of, like, but this is where we're going. Yeah, so you were saying that uh, Hicks is someone who didn't know exactly what they were fighting for. And that he was just, just kind of raging against without a clear sense of, like, what are we propping up yeah. as we tear down the old order. Makes sense. Well, so from when we last left off, uh, we spoke about Dia, Yusur, and Razan's, um, like, murder. Um, so essentially... Um, what had happened was, um, just to give a brief summary, um, Craig Hicks uh, had gone into, uh, knocked on the door on February 10th, 2015, on Dia and Yusur's, um, complex, and Yusur, um, and Dia were having dinner, um, so they were setting up for dinner, and Yusur's sister, younger sister, Razan, was over as well, and, um, they had just done some community work, service work, and they were prepping for food, um, to have some food. 
So Dia, Yasur, and Razan were back from like community service and just chilling. And they were, um, Yasur was over at Dia and Yus, um, Yusur's, or sorry, Razan was over at Dia and Yusur's and they were prepping dinner. Dinner was set up and they were ha about to have dinner together when um, Hicks had, um, Craig Hicks had knocked on the door. Um, they were getting a lot of harassment from Hicks in previous, it, like especially after Yusur moved in. Um, being visibly Muslim wearing the headscarf and um, the amounts of harassment that they got from their neighbor had increased. So when he knocked on the door, um, um, Dia and Yusur were like, let's record this interaction so maybe we can get a, um, like a, uh, what is it, like a restraining order mm -hmm. against him. So they started recording this interaction. Um, so they went to open the door um, and Hicks had started talking about parking, which was like, we all know now that that was all fake. Mm -hmm. Um, it took 37 seconds for him to like, answer, like from Dia answering the door from him mentioning something about parking and then shooting Dia, um, just straight up multiple times, um, in the doorway and, um, going into the house um, and then killing Razan and um, Yusur execution style. Um, in fact, with Razan, um, the autopsy, like I said, shows that the gun barrel was pointed, like it was touch it, her head, like where her hijab was, it was touching her head. And so he had held it up straight to her head and the bullet had gone through um, her brain into her, and into her throat. Um, so they were killed execution style. Um, but anyway, that recording didn't come out until um, June 19th. Um, sorry, uh, yeah, June 2019th. And um, so, you know, Dia was re that recording on Dia's cell phone. And the recording showed that Hicks was complaining about taking up more parking spaces than the condo allows and then straight firing. And that entire interaction was like 37 seconds. So he had planned this in prior, you know, mm -hmm. but what had happened was right after he killed them on February 10, 2015, Hicks turned himself into the sheriff's deputy office. Um, and this was after some neighbors had heard gunshots and immediately called the police. So the police came over, the neighbors like, I heard some gunshots um, and, you know, um, my friend's body is like, I can see it. It's on the, you know, it's bleeding. Mm -hmm. So this was really frustrating. Hicks turned himself into the sheriff's deputy, uh, deputy's office on the night of the shooting. Um, and he had his, um, the uh, caliber, whatever, um, it was like a .357 caliber handgun um, with him. The gun that, you know, he used to kill them. Um, and then the investigators um, did match that hand, um, the handgun ballistics to the casings that were found around the house as well. Mm -hmm. So then that night, um, the Chapel Hill Police Department states that um, their pre um, preliminary investigation indicates that the crime was motivated by ongoing neighbor dispute over parking. And Hicks is cooperating with the investigators. And Hicks was charged with three counts of first-degree murder. So notice that that Hicks turned himself in, mm -hmm. and when he like when they were interviewing him, he like yeah, he was saying um, like oh they were yelling at me, they were swearing at me. We you would get into multiple fights like multiple times, 
It's like he was lying and just trying to get, like, charged with manslaughter, which is, like, the lowest um, degree you could get, as opposed to first-degree murder. Yeah, like, he was slandering them. So not only that did he kill them, he was trying to slander their, like, character, because they were such kind and charitable and just really down-to-earth people. Like, everyone who met them would say, like, they had such light and joy and love and compassion for everyone around them, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, um, I don't know, like, he just, he was, like, trying to, when he turned himself into the police, he said that they, he and Dia and them were fighting over parking spaces, uh, for a long time, which they never complained. It was only him that was, like, waving his rifle around and threatening the neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, and that Dia and Yusur would shout profanities at him and shout, um, um, like, the night of the murder, uh, Dia and Yusur were, like, shouting profanities and fighting him and things like that. And he just got heated and he shot off. But the recording that came out much later shows that that wasn't the case. Like, Dia and Yusur, like, Dia opened the door with a smile on his face and, like, hello there. Like, you know, was, like... Neighborly. Like, na- was neighborly, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, Hicks had no freaking care about that. Like I said, 37 seconds is what it took him. So this was obviously premeditated. Yeah. And, like, he went in planning for this to happen yeah you thought he would have had a better alibi yeah Mm -hmm. and um yeah it's it's just just it was oh it's just a lot um um yeah so then on february 11th the mayor of chapel hill um stated that the Chapel Hill Police Department is using all available resources to determine whether hate was a motivating factor. As um, all we know for certain at this time is that it was senseless and a tragic act um, surrounding a long-standing dispute. We do not know whether anti-Muslim bias played a role in this crime, and I do recognize the fear that many members of our community may feel. Chapel Hill is a place for everyone, a place where Muslim lives matter. And it's really interesting to me that the mayor said that, whereas, like, just the night before, the police department didn't even, like, look into, or the investigation, they just put out um, into the news that that was the reason why, the parking dispute was the reason why he went in and killed them, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it was after, like, people started saying, this is a hate, this is hate, like, people, I guess, started mm-hmm. taking more. So investigators um, searched Hicks's house and... Um, seized two fully loaded handguns, a fully loaded AR-15 rifle, two shotguns, five other rifles, um, and two other handguns, and two uh, pellet guns. They also seized a number of magazines uh, with various... um, They just seized a lot of boxes of ammunition and, like, shells and, like, other gun-related stuff. Um, they also took, um, he has, he had three cell phones and a digital camera and, a um, his computer, um, two computers. So they also seized his, um, just tech. Three cell phones? Yeah, three cell phones. And the dude was like, from my understanding, was not really motivated and was not really working. Um, so I'm just like, where are these like cell phones coming from? Mm-hmm. But I mean, why I, are these cell phones coming? How many people does he have to call 
with three cell phones. I don't know. I mean, I have no idea. Um, so then on February 12th, the agents of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives... Um, they have a fun time. <laughs> ...arrived in the condominium area, and the FBI announced that, announced that it had launched a parallel preliminary inquiry into determine whether any federal laws were violated related to the case. On February 13th, the U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder said that civil rights lawyers in the U.S. Department of Justice had opened an investigation to determine if this was a hate crime. Um, he stated that, like all Americans, I was shocked and saddened by this week's he uh, heinous crimes of the three young people in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I made, uh, I have made available the full resources of justice the, of the Justice Department to help ensure that justice will be served in this case. Um, and by February thirteenth, so just a, like what three days later, hundreds of Muslim advocacy groups had been calling for like a federal investigation, saying that the shootings came in the wake of a disturbing rise um, in especially threatening and violent anti-Muslim rhetoric and activities. Um, so the investigators uh, initially had not ruled out um, any motives, including like religious bias. Mm -hmm. So it was like the police, uh, like the police department that had said, "Oh, this is just a parking dispute. This crime happened over a parking dispute." Whereas everyone else was like being like, "No, this has to be. This was clearly racially motivated because this parking dispute was happening over other folks too. You know, in that neighborhood, mm -hmm. Hicks was threatening them as well, but Hicks didn't go into their house and kill them execution style. Yeah. And Furthermore, you know, like the reason, like when Hicks went into Dean Usler's place to knock, you know, to complain about the cars that they're having too many cars on the parking, the the reports and the crime scene photos show that there was basically Dia's car in his parking spot, Hicks's car in Hicks's parking spot, and there was two guest parking spots which Hicks was complaining about, which was completely empty. There was no cars in there. Usler, the sister who was visiting literally parked across the street and walked over mm -hmm. like parked on the like like free parking on the street um so it's like he basically made up that entire story yeah there was no cars in that parking and the moment that this happened mm -hmm. so that even goes to show further that he premeditated this he like walked over knowing that they were the three were in there mm -hmm. and he was complaining about them taking up parking spots but the, there was no like yeah. no cars in the guest parking spot um, so local investigators met on the morning of February 13th with the FBI um, and the federal um, prosecutors to determine the case. And um, it was it was thought that Hicks's charge charges could go to the grand um, jury in the county as early as February 19th, but the prosecutors decided um, um, they hadn't decided if they wanted to take the death penalty or not. Um, so by February 16th, um, Hicks had been in um, in indicted. Yeah, indicted um, by the grand jury on three counts of first degree murder and one count of discharging a firearm into an occupied dwelling. And then on March 2nd, February 2015, um, the district um, attorney said that he intended to seek the death penalty against Hicks. And actually, that's what Hicks wanted, too. Hicks was like, yeah, let's just make this easy and just give me the death penalty. 
but um, on uh, on April 6, 2015, the prosecutors confirmed that Hicks, even though Hicks was um, eligible to face the death penalty after finding incriminating evidence against him, like this was premeditated and everything, mm-hmm. um, the new district attorney announced that the prosecutors will not seek the de- um, death pen- penalty against Hicks. Because in their mind, they're like, oh, this is going to, um, if we don't seek it, this is going to speed up the legal process and avoid delays. Mm-hmm. What did Hicks mean by it's easier to have the death penalty? Um, I think it's just like he was willing to take on the death penalty. But then later on, it was taking so long, like the tri- like the main trial, um, like didn't happen until 2019, right? Um, so it was like a long time. Wow. So that was like what, almost like four years wait, right? Wow. April of 2019. So he was like, he didn't realize this was going to take so long. And by that point, the like the prosecutors had already dropped the death penalty. So on February 11th, so I'm going to kind of move on. So that was the like the trial, like the main like um, not the main trial because that's coming up in like um April of 2019. But the pre-trial? Yeah. Um, but I just want to talk about the response that had happened. Um, so by the next day, there were a few thousand people um, who attended a vigil in the UNC Chapel Hill campus. And Dia's mother, Laila Barakat, uh, Barakat, told the students he died of hate crime and his legacy is never, and his legacy was never hate. You don't respond you don't respond back by hating the other. You respond back by love, by peace, by mercy, and that was Dia's way. Dia's brother, Ferris, added, if and if and it was quite possible that this was an act based off of evil and a scared, ignorant man, uh, man do not let ignorance propagate in your life. Do not Reply to ignorance with ignorance. Become an amazing, bright, intellectual leader that I know that this university can create. Um, And that was said at the students, where thousands of students came in their honor to Mm -hmm. that vigil. There's also a public funeral held on February 12th in the North Carolina State University. Um, It was held by the Islamic Association um, um, of Roley. And an estimated of like 5,500 people attended that um, candlelight vigil. There was also a prayer, prayer service. So the, the, um, the members of the community responded really quickly. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like a lot of people um, had a lot of like, um, like, they just really appreciated and loved Dia, Yusuri, and Razan. And they, the three of them were known by a lot of people um, in their community as well. The governor um, and the chancellor, the governor of the state and the chancellor um, also attended the vigil and um, at the, um, at, um, at that vigil, the public uh, vigil, um, Dia's brother had said to the communities and the families um, and the students that had uh, come that it means um, that he hopes that everyone bringing together and his deep ties to the university means 
something to each and every student. I hope that it means we somehow touched your heart in a way that you can live, live their legacy and you can take them, uh, take what they did that was good and you can take, uh, and you can live it in your life. It is the best thing you can do for my family now. Um, and a lot of people just spoke about the message that Dia Yusur and Razan always um, continue to spread and continues to spread even after their death with their legacy is that they wanted to spread this message of love and spread awareness um, and just like, you know, just love and kindness. And that's what they wanted students and their communities to continue mm -hmm. that legacy. The family members um, created a Facebook page dedicated to them called Our Three Winners. And I um, advise everyone to check it out. And they post a lot about um, Dia Yusrazan, of course, but also about other um, hate crimes and people whose stories need to be heard, whose stories aren't being picked up by mainstream media. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, there were multiple... Um, multiple charities and like foundations that were like named that was started even by their university it was like a scholarship fund that was start um, based off of um you know in their honor um mm -hmm. dedicated to students who do charity and um service work mm -hmm. um but the vigils and their memories kind of almost went beyond the community in north carolina i think this touched a lot of people around the world um so there were vigils, of course, happening in, like, Washington, Ottawa, Gaza. But there were, like, students, uh, at, um, um, you know, um, creating and organizing vigils across the United States for them. Like, especially, like, Muslim student associations across in different universities. But it was really interesting how different... Um, like around the world, people started picking up their story and, you know, do a dedicating a vigil. Mm -hmm. Actually, a really um, fun thing that I found out was Dia and Yusra were, Yusra, I think, was a fan of a different basketball team. But then after he, uh, she married uh, Dia, Yusra married Dia, Yusra like kind of switched. Um, and both of them were um, great fans of the Golden State Warriors. So after their death, the Golden State Warriors basketball player, uh, Stephen Curry, yep, um, who Dia was like the biggest fan of, fan of um, paid a tribute to Dia during the NBA All-Star Weekend. So on nice. February 14th, he comp um, uh, Curry like completed a shooting stars competition and the three-point contest while wearing shoes with um with uh, wearing shoes with writing um in honor of the victim um with like with the shoes that um they did and what stephen curry said afterwards that i did my little part to shed a light towards dia um obviously it's a great platform to be on but it only seemed right um curry said that after winning the three-point contest uh uh, contest he sent the shoes back to the family so he wore dia shoes and then he sent the shoes back. oh that's so awesome yeah. um yeah um and then of course the university started the r3 winners fund which grants scholarships to students coming in 
um, and you know students that demonstrate leadership, service, and creativity. Um, yeah, so just just the community response was really healing, I think, and powerful. Mm -hmm. um, of course, the shooting was also covered by like New York Times, The Guardian, as well as newspapers in France and Germany and India. So it's like it had like the story had gone very global. Um, at the same time, um, though, um, like Twitter, the Twitter hashtag, the Chapel Hill shootings, um, appeared over 900 times around the world with the hashtag Muslim Lives Matter as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was trending in the United States and United Kingdom. Um, and of course, um, you know, people started in the beginning, the news just kept saying that this was all over a parking dispute, you know, yeah. the mainstream news just kept saying that this was all over a parking dispute. Like, so Dia's sister, um, Dr. Barakat, um, Barakat, um, question, was questioned on the issue of the parking as the cause of the shooting in an interview with the N um, NSB MSNBC's Morning Joe. And she said that Dia's unit had been um, assigned a parking space and then Crick's had been assigned the parking space and there were a third space dedicated for, you know, parking. And however, again, um, Hicks had told Dia not to use the guest parking space as Hicks said it was for his wife. But, um, of course, on the day of the shooting, there were no cars on that spot, even though the complex manager confirmed that the additional parking space was very specifically designated for visitors of both of those complexes. Mm -hmm. um, and, like, um, Dia's sister even said that Dia went to great lengths to have his guests use other guest parking spots, which he mapped out for them. Like, he literally mapped out parking spots that were around his complex that were free and for guests mm -hmm. so that they didn't, they weren't um, with, you know, uh, parking in that spot. And then she goes on to say, like, had the roles have been reversed, and if the man was Muslim of Arab descent, of South Asian descent, this immediately would have been labeled an act of terror. I haven't heard anyone use the term terrorist here. Why the double standard? He terrorized our families. He terrorized our lives. And he terrorized our community locally, nationally, and internationally. And it's time for people to call what it is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's it's time to call that this was a hate crime. This was like an Islamophobic crime. And, um, you know, he's a terrorist. He's a white terrorist. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting that countries like, you know, how I previously mentioned um, India, um, UK, um, Germany, France, they were all calling Higgs, a, Higgs uh, Craig Hicks a terrorist. Because, you know, this was a racially motivated act of terror that was based on a political ideology mm -hmm. um but hicks's own family actually like his wife said that he did not commit uh he, his wife continues to say that he didn't um commit the shooting due to racial bias um and that he sh did it for um the parking dispute uh hicks's wife ma'am if you're listening you're part of the problem <laughs> <laughs> yep um, but what's funny is that, um, Hicks's, um, mother-in-law from a former marriage said that 
Hicks has trouble, like she has trouble believing Hicks's um, story because of Hicks Hicks's um, history of anger and um, violence, and has no problem believing that yeah, that violence and anger that Hicks has inside him could have led to a deadly you know outburst. Um, and then she also said that Hicks just didn't like people, um, and Hicks's own daughter from his first marriage called um, Hicks a monster, saying that he was never a father to me except by blood. Um, his daughter, who identifies as Christian, said that she told Hicks her religious beliefs um, and he agreed to respect it, but then she said that his social media posts increasingly um, was very hateful and agnostic, like, and what is it? Um, antagonistic. Yeah, that's the word. Antagonistic towards, like, other people's beliefs, you know. Um, and the fact that he is such against, like, religious, like, Christianity and Islam, but he directly went after this, like, Muslim couple, mm -hmm. um, especially after Yusra moved in with wearing the headscarf. I'm like, this is, like, not only just racially motivated, this is basically religiously motivated. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, a lot of, um, and then it goes back, like, the story continues to go back, like, there was a lot of legal stuff going back where a lot of people say this was a hate crime, this was an act of terror, but the local government, um, and the FBI did not claim it as a hate crime, um, at all, even after the trial. What are you doing, FBI? Uh, they said that there wasn't sufficient evidence, even though... Again, what are you doing? Um, so that was just really frustrating to see, especially since governments and leaders of several Muslim-majority countries and even other countries actually labeled the shooting to be an act of terrorism. Um, and this included Lebanon, Morocco, Palestine, mm -hmm. um, and then, like, Turkey, um, and just... And they were commenting on how the United States is double standard, um, the Western double standard mm -hmm. of like um, the shooting not being a t um, you know um, an act of terror, but it being like oh, it's it's a lone wolf you know it was over a parking speed. So yeah, that was that. Um, so but then later on there was like the former like the main trial that happened in april to 2019 um and on youtube you, um you can see and on the three our three winners foundation if you go on their webpage you can see the testimonies from their sisters and the brothers um of Yusur, Dia, and razan um and their family members speak of their lives and speak of the trauma that they faced um and you know speak towards hicks and what was surprising was that they Hicks and his attorneys tried to get the uh, get the trial waived, you know, like completely dis dismissed, um, but that didn't happen. And even though um, they he didn't get the death penalty, but he did get um, you know life sentence um, without the possibility of parole. Without the possibility of parole, um, but again, they didn't. They did not add. Um, this being an act of hate crime because apparently in North Carolina, um, hate crimes are only covered yes. under misdemeanors. Mm -hmm. 
um, and not felonies like murder. What the fuck? Yeah. Can you, like, do you want to, okay, you're going into, do you have anything to say on this? Or? I, do, I don't know anything about why this legal system is set up this way. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, why would hate crimes be covered for misdemeanors, like, classification of hate crimes be covered for misdemeanors, but not, like, felonies, like, murder, you know? And I'm just like, what? So, yeah, so they couldn't label this, like, a hate crime, and um, they couldn't trial it as such as well. Um, and that's what the family really wanted. They wanted um, that confession to happen, that, like, acknowledgement to happen, that this was a hate crime, this was motivated by hate and Islam, um, Islamophobic bias and yeah. prejudice. Um, so I also want to, um, so that's kind of the story in the trial that happened. Um, he got sentenced. The family has the Facebook group now, and there's a foundation, um, that tries to support local communities and also, you know, um, move forward their legacy. But I want to end at least this part with, um, saying the test testimony of Muhammad Abu Salha, MD, um, so he was Dia and Yusur's, um, Sorry, not Dia, um, Dia's father-in-law and Yusur and Razan's father. So I just want to read um, his statement that he gave to the United States House Judiciary Committee on April 9th, um, 2019. On February 10th, 2015, that was the day our lives changed forever when the lights of our life, my two daughters, Yusur and Razan, and my son-in-law, Dia, were shot to death execution style in their home in Chapel Hill. I still remember the last patient I saw that day. He's a doctor. I filled out papers in my briefcase as I ended the workday. I knew it was about six o'clock when I left for home and I remember the fr frantic call from Laila Bakat, my son's mother-in-law, and I could hardly understand her. She was too upset and she was trying to explain that there had been a shooting in Chapel Hill and someone had texted her that Dia might have been hurt. Lila, my wife, Amir, and I drove to our children's house into the abyss. While driving to the scene, aware of the anguish that my wife and Dia's mother were feeling, I kept telling them that the police had turned off their phones in the area as a part of their investigation, and that's why the children were not responding. No, nevertheless, inside me, I had this gut-wrenching feeling that the unthinkable had happened. When we arrived at the apartment complex, this, the scene of the yellow tape and the flashing lights squeezed our hearts, freezing the blood in our veins. Crisis workers talking to us and soothing us did, did not know what I knew, that in my line of work, a crisis worker talking to you usually means only one thing. Nevertheless, they kept us waiting for so long that the messages of um, condolences began flooding in from members of my family and our families before we had any official confirmation of what happened. Those hours of waiting felt like an eternity, but we waited and waited while the others surrounding us, weeping and wailing under the massive burden of loss. It was at least five or six hours before the police officer summoned the energy to confirm that Dia, Yusur, and Razan had all been shot to death. In despite attempt to make it bearable, a officer whispered, they didn't suffer. It was sh 
It was sh uh, swift, one shot to the back of the head. His statement didn't make it any more bearable. Nothing did. Even before we made it home that night, the local news aired a statement made by the Chapel Hill police chief stating that the murder was believed to be over a parking dispute. That statement by the police chief, we feared, quickly set the stage for how the nation, the world, would be talking about this tragedy for years to come. But if you knew our children, you would know that they were not the kind to dispute over anything, let alone, let alone a parking spot in their neighborhood. I even remember the FBI agent was in tears after examining their phones and seeing how user was so loving and gentle towards Dia in her text messages towards it, to him. And later, as we suspected, the FBI confirmed that none of their cars were parked in any of the killer's parking spots. The news about their death spread quickly and it was all over the media, but we weren't hearing enough in the media reports about the fact that the man who murdered our children, someone whose name I struggled to say, hated them. St struggled to still say, hated them. Though Dia lived near this man, uneventfully for a year and a half, trouble began for all of them when the man observed my two daughters appearing on the scene, adorned in their hijabs. I remember my user telling me that this condescending man told her how he hated how she looked and dressed. We also didn't hear enough about who this man was. He was someone who posted on his Facebook page that if you have a religion, then you have started it. He kept five firearms, one of which was, a, oh, sorry, 12 firearms. Oh yeah, I messed up. Yeah. 12 firearms, one of which was a semi-automatic rifle in his home. And he made it very clear to my children that they were not welcomed here in their neighborhood in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Over the course of the next few days, weeks and months, the whole world moaned with us as we tried to honor the legacy of our children. We also began to learn more about how their lives were taken. I must have met one of the few physicians, if not only one, um, I must have been one of the few physicians, if not one, only one, to read his ch um, own children's murder autopsy reports. They're seared into my memory. Bullet masqueraded through the, the bullets masqueraded through the top of users and Razan's head into their brainstems with the gun nozzle leaving a mark on their hijabs and skin. Dia took so many bullets to his arm and chest before he fell to the ground. After the shooting, Yusuf and Razan, um, through their brains, the murderer saw that Dia was still breathing and shot him again in the mouth. The last time we saw them, oh, so Dia was still alive. After, like, he shot him multiple times in, you know, the chest and the doorway, and then he went in to kill Yusuf and Razan. On the way back, he saw that Dio was still alive and then shot him straight in the mouth. The last time we saw them in their coffins, Yusuf's forehead was bulging and her hazel eyes had turned gray and lifeless. What was once Yusuf Razan's warm and smiling face was now filled with a lifeless stone cold Hasty and was pasty, deadly pale. Dia's face lacked the expression, and he had a broken tooth from that final shot to the mouth while taking his last breath. He raised his index finger, which is what we consider a sign of prayer.
Um, I just also want to say that it's so the tragedy that like DM user dedicated their lives to make sure people can smile beautifully and like have good oral, you know, hygiene and like they would, you know, mm -hmm. um, and the fact that like in like, you know, he shot him in the mouth, shattering his teeth. Thank you for giving, going back to the testimony. Give, thank you for giving me this opportunity to testify before your committee. But I want you to remember more than their deaths. You need to know who they were and what we have all lost. My oldest daughter, Yusra, was a vibrant 21-year-old woman who always found ways to give others um, in every aspect of her life. From volunteering at a dental clinic for Syrian refugees in Turkey to feeding the hungry and homeless in downtown building houses to building houses for habitat for humanity she graduated from north carolina state university and was accepted into the unc's school of dentistry um in one of in the words of her one of her closest friends she was loved and she loved and was loved and she cared for others and was cared by them she had dreams and ambitions and a laugh that changed things for the better. She loved this country tremendously and found great beauty in its, in the diversity um, that this country had to offer. And in her own words, there are so many different people from so many different places of different backgrounds and religions, but he, we are here all one. Yusser was elegant, radiant, selfless, philanthropic, life-spirited, unassuming, athletic, and all-giving. My youngest daughter, um, Razan, was 19, and she was full of life. Um, during her freshman year, she mentored youth, and she led a project called Project Downtown, feeding the homeless and hungry in our, in our communities. She would give out meals and deliver them with personalized and inspirational notes. She expressed her passion for reading by framing a portrait of herself that read, Until I fear I would lose it, I I never love to read. One does not love breathing, which was a quote from one of her favorite books. I raised, my wife and I raised our children to be Muslims as well as Americans who were proud of their country and their community. They were as American as apple pie. In 2013, Yusri was engaged to be married to Dia, a smart and kind man. Dia was an avid basketball fan, but not of the Duke, which was um, what at Yusra was very proud of, but he, he had great pride in his hometown. Um, Yusra, or sorry, Dia once tweeted, I have a dream that one day to have a unified and structured community, to have a voice in our society and support the youth with their projects. And then, so then the father goes on to say more of, um, the stories of how they met, how Dia, um, actually tutored uh, Yusser in chemistry as they were, you know, both studying to go into dentistry. Um, and they kind of met through their school. And um, their textbook chemistry started to become... Like, real chemistry. chemistry. Real chemistry. <laughs> and, like, you know, they just got along so well and they just made each other really happy and made their families really happy, too. Um, so the father continues to write... The fact that how today we're still awaiting the trial of the killer to take place where 
you know, um, there, there was no tra like question in their minds that this tragedy was born out of bigotry and hate. And people all over the world joined us in calling what it was a hate crime. And the laws and institutions that protect all Americans, including my family, have failed us. Although the local police chief had um, apologized for initially characterizing the crime being over a parking dispute, the response from the government to the murders has been muted. We were told that North Carolina's ethnic discrimination law does not apply to a crime that their killer is currently charged with, first-degree murder. And this is where, you know, how it hate crimes, misdemeanors, but not murder, or felonies. In addition... Okay, so with that, with the lack of government response and saying that, oh, this is North Carolina's thing, it's like, um, you deal with it yourself, but it's just like, there are Muslims all across the mm -hmm. country and minorities all across the country, so it's like, if one hate crime occurs in one state, like it affects the whole country because hate crimes occur in all different states. So why isn't it, why is there yeah, never a government not, response? Yeah, like why isn't it a federal thing? Yeah. Again, FBI, what are you doing? <laughs> um, and like I'm reading through like the father's testimony and it's just so heartbreaking because he goes into talking about like um, just it's been four years since, um, you know, the murders, and during that time, in 2000, you know, um, the last president had, you know, even continued the hate, like, the rhetoric, um, you know, with the Muslim ban, declaring that Islam hates America on, you know, television for praising the American general for, you know, a, like, having killed alleged Muslim terrorists in the Philippines with blood blood bullets dripped in pig's blood yeah uh-uh yeah and it just i don't know what that's to, you know, just say. another level of hatred yeah and that's coming from the federal government that was coming from the previous president trump you know and so you can see like how this is not in a vacuum like with the like rise in hate crimes across the board for minorities and people who say are not in the normative you know white the what you call the normative whiteness right in america mm -hmm. um you're facing a lot of discrimination and prejudice um and this their story is of that right their story is of that although the government refuses to acknowledge acknowledge um that so yeah so so he did get char uh, charged with um life in prison you know without the possibility of parole um but it was not charged as hate crime it was definitely it was still just charged as a murder and he was not you know ever called a terrorist even um by the u.s like the media of like the the mainstream media essentially so first of all great that he what that he has life in prison but down it's like i just don't get i just don't get it it's like why isn't it, why wasn't it charged as a hate crime because it was clearly a hate crime. So I'm just like, dis like I'm happy, but there's also disappointments. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, and I think with like doing a lot of research for 
for them. It, what was really shocking was um, just the level of love everyone had for them and how much of a positive impact they had on their community. Like when I was researching their lives, I started like crying and I just felt in my soul like how like the world lost three like amazing people um, that just spread so much love, you know? And sometimes like a part of me felt like guilty, you know, like as a Muslim, American Muslim, like, like I looked up, like their story is what I look up to, right? Like the amount of charity work and the love they gave back Mm -hmm. is what I would want, you know? So it's just, um, to have like that just be gone and lost from the world is is so, such a tragedy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also, I know I keep saying, FBI, what are you doing and everything, but you know what? It can be a catchphrase. Yeah. Like, we're we're the Murderous Trio podcast. We are holding serial killers accountable, so we are also going to hold the proper authorities accountable for a lack of response. So, there. Yeah. Um, Well, thank you for letting me just rant and just, like, let my heart, like, be able to just tell more about their story and, like, I don't know, just continue to talk about them because the last few days they have been truly been on my mind especially since their anniversary is every february 10th Mm -hmm. um every year and just it's just it's it's really sad to hear i would recommend everyone go visit um their the webpage called our three winners um to see how you can just support you know um um your you know your american citizens and you know um, just your neighbors yeah and also uh, donate to um, Freedom Bakeries. Um, go to freedombakeries.org. They are based out of Brooklyn, New York, and they help like feed their community locally. But they have since expanded to six different locations and are also helping to feed hungry families in Yemen, Gaza, and Pakistan. Nice. Um... But yeah, so that's their story, and their legacy continues to live on. Um, if you go on YouTube, again, you can find the testimonials um, from all of their family members in court and, like, the responses. And it's it was, like, really empowering to hear their story be told, but it was also just really tragic to see the pain and the suffering that the family went through. I remember the brother said how in the four years that Hicks was waiting, you know, for the trial in 2019... It must have felt like an eternity to him, but he would never be able to imagine what it felt like for his family um, in the coming years, you know, and just that absence that they feel. Yeah. Any thoughts? Thank you for sharing this part of your heart with us. Aw, thanks. Yeah, and uh, thank you for picking this story because I feel like it crop like for me it crosses my mind once in a while but i think many people just like forgot about it and like people need to be reminded of their story thank you um also i had a question since it was three people doesn't that classify him as like a serial killer yes yes it does does it does that not classify hicks as a serial killer like i feel like well, like, apparently the definition of serial killer is, like, um, committing more than three murders in, de- in separate events, but we're going to classify him as a serial killer because he killed 
three people. <laughs> oh, okay. Legal definitions don't need to be the only definitions of value. Yeah. Exactly. In my mind, he's a serial killer and a terrorist. But, yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, thank you for joining us, um, and we will see you next, next week. week. Bye. Bye. Hydrate. Get sunlight. You're a plant. A really weird plant. Feed yourself. Water. <laughs>
and hopefully we'll become like real neighbor, a close neighbor. Never in your wildest dreams would you ever think it would escalate to something like exactly. this. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know why he just went to their apartment and uh, with his uh, gun and did what he did. There is no cause unless if he planned it. That's what I'm thinking. He planned it. This is something that he planned. I believe it's uh, because they are Muslim. If you could talk to Mr. Hicks, what would you say to him? He shot Dia again. Why did he shoot him again? He was helpless. He did so many, like six bullets already in his body. And that second one is the killer who killed me because I realized he is the last. He saw it all. He heard it all. He lived it all. He lived the horror. And why is that? I want to ask him why. But their legacy is alive and everywhere. So Hex would be sorry for all the rest of his life. They were kind, uh, gentle, yeah. smart kids. Loving, forgiving. Exactly. They like to help others. You sir, my sweet you sir, with her curly hair and bright eyes. And then also very pretty young lady with beautiful black hair and beautiful black eyes. I love her. She's my Snow White. That's sorry that when I saw her in the coffin, she always looked like Snow White. <laughs> Why? And she was smiling. For a few moments, we put the tragedy and tears behind us. Three moms sitting together, laughing. We looked through pictures and videos as they reminisced about the good times and the memories that will forever live on. Such strong women, and they say their faith keeps them strong, and they believe their children are at peace. They also told me they don't want revenge, they just want justice.